Hey guys, welcome to the Babylon Pastors Podcast, sponsored by ODG Apparel. I am one of your hosts, Michael. And I'm Rob. Glad you're here to listen in while we talk about church, theology, and everything in between. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to the Babylon Pastors Uh-oh. Podcast, where we're going to make all of you upset this month. <laughs> Or, or some of you have said, I don't even know. Uh, it's a divisive issue, but it shouldn't really be that divisive. We are talking this month on the five points of Calvinism, also known as TULIP. Today, we will be covering total depravity. But obviously, before we get into that, there was a lot that came before the five points of Calvinism. Um, so we're going to give a brief history, or rather Rob is going to give a brief history of that, uh, just so we can kind of catch up to this point. So, Professor Roberto. Wow. Welcome to class. Guys. Yeah. So, okay. The, by brief history, what he means is uh, very brief history uh, because I'm Community not- Community college, not university. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Think online classes because of coronavirus. Um, so uh, these are all of my Calvinistic Bibles behind me. I say Calvinistic because- you can probably tell by the, the pictures on the wall who, which team I'm on. Uh, but the Calvinism-Arminius debate. So James Arminius uh, was a 16th century guy. Um, was a theologian. And uh, he essentially had these. So the five articles that we refer to Calvinism, uh, that this, this is Calvinism and that is Calvinism, those are actually just rebuttals to James Arminius and some of the doctrine that he was coming out with. So when we think of um, Calvinism, a lot of times we kind of think of it the other way around. Like Calvin came out with these thoughts and wrote them down and this was that. And then James Arminius came and uh, rebutted those things. We thought Calvin started the fight, but it wasn't Calvin that started the fight. It wasn't. Calvin just finished it. Anyway, uh, so... Yeah. So uh, it's it's really a, you can look up a lot about the history. It's it's all over the place if you want to uh, do more research on that. But the, it started way back in the 16th century. Um, the Articles of Remonstrance, the um, Canons of Dort. Uh, there, there's a lot of history there. But essentially, the flow of how it happened was the Reformed Church um, well, there was the Reformation, right, because of Catholicism and some of the things that were going on there that were clearly not uh, good. And then, um, so there's a Reformation, a Protestant Re- Reformation, and the stuff that you hear about in Calvinism is just kind of what they believed. It's, it was how it was. And then uh, Arminius comes along and says, no, 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 this, 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 and this. And then Calvinism uh, sort of began to take shape uh, as they um, refuted and uh, rebutted what uh, Arminius came uh, along with. So uh, Arminius started the fight. Uh, Calvin came along and wrote the Institutes uh, of John Calvin. You can look those up as well. That's a, an actual book, and it's really good if you, if no matter what team you're on, it's good to read the other team, right? It's it's good to kind of read both of the arguments, and uh, hopefully, hopefully whatever we talk about this month, you'll you'll do more research and read um, other things. You can't go into any of this stuff 
with uh, an already made up mind about every single thing because um, otherwise, how do you ever refine your theology? How do you ever refine what you think and believe or whatever? There are certain things that both sides obviously are going to think and believe to be true no matter what. I believe wholeheartedly we will see people um, uh, uh, who are staunch Calvinists and people who are um, predestined to be uh, Ar Arminians uh, in heaven someday. Such a little so, gem there. <laughs> yeah, sorry. So I think that it, it'll be it'll be fine. Yeah. Well, and part and let me say I'll, I'll probably state this at the beginning of every one of these. Um, don't be DMing me stuff like you guys were wrong about this. Look, I know I'm probably like here's the point. My brain can only hold so much information. Rob's brain, though bigger, can only hold so much information. So uh, it's going to be one of those things where like, yeah, we're probably going to misspeak at some point accidentally. Uh, there may be a couple things that even though I'm telling you right now, I've never done as much research as I've ever done on a podcast. For this <laughs> podcast. Um, but even with all that research, there's going to be something that I'm sure is wrong. So you can DM and be like, hey, this is a correction, but don't be up in the DMs being like, hey, you stinking whatever words you want to use. I don't Dirty know. Dirty scoundrels. <laughs> Yeah, heretic, whatever choice word you'd like. So uh, <laughs> with that intro, right, we'll, we'll go into total depravity. Now, total depravity, um, there's, there's a lot there uh, in it. Uh, it could be simply stated, um, I, I lots of times say, hey, do you want to see total depravity? Like in action, you don't believe in it? Okay, there's my kid. Just watch, <laughs> just watch him for a second. Like yeah. all you have to do. So um both of my kids like when they were little like my son even now i'll come home and the first thing he does is come and punch me in in numerous places and no one asked him to do that <laughs> he just got mad um and it's one of those things where like that that's just in us right um you can see it a lot in kids and you can see a lot in adults too uh, especially if all the boundaries and rules and regulations that government puts on you, you take those away total depravity is a pretty obvious thing uh, off yeah. the bat but um it can also be stated and this is a lot of the research i was looking at it can be stated as like the inability maybe not total depravity uh it, you can also look at it as total inability in the sense that you know you're, you're just completely unable to reach out to god because you don't want to um we have a few of those verses here too i don't know how much of those you want to you know start off with or intro well i so i think that there are probably okay i I'm on both sides of all of these issues that we'll talk about this month there are people who have their verses right there are people who have their scriptures some of which you know i'm a i'm a calvinist right I, like if i didn't make it plain with the with the the sarcasm earlier i'm a, a calvinist and um, but there are scriptures that the the other team uses and, and, and points that they bring up that are like, well, yeah, good point, <laughs> you know. Um, so this is one of those things that uh, I have a list of scriptures that I that I think uh, point to this in such a way that I just I don't see a way around it in that we have um, any good in us apart from God bestowing that um, on us, God making the first move and, and beginning to change our heart. And 
Um, I think uh, the the classic one is Ephesians 2, 1, where uh, Paul says to the Ephesian church, you were dead in your trespasses. And uh, Steve Lawson, I love the line that he always uses when he's preaching and, and that scripture comes up, uh, what can a dead man do? Um, and which is a valid point. He used dead. He didn't use sick. He didn't use hurting. He didn't, he used the word dead and he used it on purpose. If, if all scripture is God breathed, then that means that you are dead in your trespasses was something straight from the, the mind of God, from the pen of, um, uh, so anyway, I think that, um, it is, it's important to the, the language used there is important. What can a dead man do? You're dead in your trespasses. So, um, and then I think there are, there are two more, um, places in scripture that I really love to go to for this and that kind of solidify it for me. And the one is, uh, Psalm 51, uh, and, uh, where David is, uh, he's, he's lamenting and repenting from his uh, deal with Bathsheba for all that happened there. And then Nathan, the prophet comes and says, you are the guy, right? And, and so David hits the floor, hits his knees and he's praying Psalm 51 and um, have mercy on me. Oh God, according to your steadfast love. And he goes on and on and on. And part of that, he says in Psalm uh, 51 verse five, he says that he's conceived and sent in sin did my mother conceive me. Now, what that doesn't mean is that mama was stepping out on daddy, right? That's not what that a few he's times. talking about there, right? Yeah, that's a that's a, a bad misinterpretation of the scripture. What what David is saying in that psalm is that from conception, that sin nature from you know like you're born with that, right? And and the point that you made um, earlier, Michael, is uh, is the illustration that goes along with that you know you teach your kids to do the right things you don't have to teach them to be selfish little punks that's just how they are right? that built in <laughs> yeah. It, yeah it comes with the package you know um and it's in it was interesting to me too i just added these notes so we we have notes that we kind of uh look at um as we're doing these videos some, um, and I just added the, the Genesis uh, ones um, just a couple days ago, because it's interesting to me that before the flood in Genesis uh, chapter six, verse uh, five, it says, uh, then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That's a lot of like final, you know, every uh intention but was only evil continually you know like that's a lot of evidence for the depravity of mankind it's almost if, in case you didn't get it in case you didn't pick up right <laughs> yeah totally and then he wipes out everyone on the planet in the flood so you would think rationally okay well let's start over um it's better now well in genesis eight twenty one, after the flood he says this, the Lord smelled the soothing aroma. This is uh, Noah's sacrifice. Um, he's uh, burnt offering. Uh, and then it says in verse 21, uh, the Lord smelled the soothing aroma of the burnt offering. And the Lord said to himself, I will never again curse the ground on account of man for the intent of man's heart is evil from his youth. And I will never again destroy every living thing as I have done. So before 
And after the flood, God says, you're all evil. Like to the core of your being, that's who you are. Your intent, everything is evil. Mm-hmm. So I, I personally struggle with that. Well, and that's where I think, too, you're talking about Ephesians, but even in Romans. So that, that's a few things that really come out, too. And obviously, if you've ever read Romans, Romans, um, a lot of this thought comes from Romans as well. But I mean, chapters one all the way through three um, were, were talking about just how evil we are. As far as Romans one, we suppress the truth. Uh, we've all the, the famous verses in Romans three, as far as we've all sinned, none are righteous. Um, just keeps pointing t- toward that fact. And again, I don't know. I mean, I, I can see where some people will be like, well, you're not totally like, you know, it could be a whole lot worse. People aren't as bad as they could be. But again, I think a lot of that thought comes from the, the fact that, you know, you live, especially so like we said at the beginning, um, you know, I have no clue when this releases what Corona has done. But I know like now when we're recording, there's a lot of people I'm talking to and they're just like, oh no, what if people start looting? What if people start doing this? And there's just a lot of anxiety. But a lot of that comes from the fact that even inside of us all, right? We're all like, we know the potential of humanity. Like that the natural inclination is to go south. (laughs) You know, it's, it's not when everything starts falling apart, we're like, oh, don't worry. The rate, we will all just take care of each other. Uh, everybody knows that if it all goes south, all of a sudden it's like, oh no, I can't trust you anymore. Um, yeah. and that doesn't, I mean, and that you don't have to teach people that. People just like, we know innately that the guy next to me is nice only in as much as he has to be nice to me. Um, and it's only when Christ comes in and gives us a new nature, and we'll talk about that a, you know, later. Um, but that's when now, you know, we don't, I don't have to worry about another Christian because I know that they have a new nature. I know that the intent of their heart now is different. Um, but it's only because God's changed it. God's come in and done it. So anyway, that's just the, a lot of it too. I think it's important here when I was doing my research, um, Calvin actually refers, uh, to different ways of knowing God. So for example, in, in Romans chapter one, it talks about how, um, we, you know, God's given everyone the ability to see who he is just by everything around us. Uh, but Calvin made a distinction as far as everyone knows God as creator, as described in Romans chapter one. So we can all see that there's a creation, but there's a different way of knowing God as well, as far as knowing him as redeemer. And that's when he opens our eyes. Yeah. So there's two distinctives there as far as when, when you look at Romans one, it's not just that, you know, God's given everybody the ability to know who he is. Um, like we all have no excuse because of everything we see and experience that we know there's a God. Um, but it's the, the distinction there between being redeemed and knowing who he is now and us being changed that is the distinction there. So I just want to, yeah, I love, I, I, there's a, there's a bit, um, last man standing. Some of you may not know what that is, but it's a TV show with Tim Allen. And it's like the, the t- whole premise of the TV show is that there's like this, um, incredibly Republican dad, right? And then he and he kind of is surrounded by uh, Democrat gals, and then his home uh, with uh, three daughters and his wife are all kind of left leaning, and they make a big joke about the the back and forth. And um, so anyway, there's this one uh, scene where Kyle, the guy that works with uh, 
Tim Allen, who's Mike Baxter. Uh, Kyle, who works with Mike in uh, a, a outdoor man, a big Cabela's type store. Um, uh, Kyle says to Mike, uh, I think I want to build one of those secret shelters. Uh, you're talking about prepping, you know, and Mike says, oh, that's a good idea. But, you know, so all you'll need is plumbers, electricians, and carpenters, and then you'll have to kill them all. And he's like, what, 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 what do you mean? And he said, well, it wouldn't be secret then, would it? And it's funny. It, it was a really funny scene, but the, the idea that you're talking about, Michael, is, is fluid with that, that, you know, like we have uh, an entire section of society that is devoted specifically for, hey, when this coronavirus apocalypse happens and it's every man for themselves, uh, I'm going to be good to go um, and my door is going to be locked. And you're, he says, in the same episode, Mike looks at his, his partner in the business and says, hey, man, when the end comes, you're just 150 pounds of protein to me. And that's kind of the attitude uh, behind, behind uh, that's, that's the human heart, man. I mean, I know that's a joke, but that's the human heart. Um, and anything good, anything good that comes from us before we're Christians, before we've been changed and before that new birth happens, anything good that comes from us before that is simply a reflection of the fact that we were made in the image of God. If left to ourselves, 100% of the time, we're going to choose evil, <laughs> especially after or before we've, we've experienced that, that new birth. And I think there's plenty of scripture that not only talks explicitly about it, but I mean, man, read, read the scriptures. There, count how many guys and gals are actually good-natured without God in the scriptures. All right, so let's um, use the second half of this episode here because we're about halfway point. Let's use the second half of talking about, so what if somebody were to say, because obviously this was a rebuttal to Arminian's point. Arminian's point was that you're not totally depraved. Uh, you don't, you do have an ability to reach out to God. Um, whereas total depravity says that God has to reach to you. Like that, that's the only way you're going to accept him is if he comes to you. Whereas uh, Arminian's point was that it's like a halfway. God reaches a hand and you reach a hand. So let's, uh, let's deal with that a little bit. So what if somebody says, well, no, but People have the ability to reach out to God. Um, what do what do we what do you have for that? That that somebody says, hey, you know, I think that's a possibility. Yeah, well, every John is actually a really good book <laughs> for for Calvinism, uh, and not just with this total depravity thing, but but a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about this month. Um, from the mouth of Jesus himself, there's a lot of stuff in the book, in the gospel of John that um, it at least implies what we're talking about. Um, and there is, let's see. So there's, okay. So in chapter six of John verse 37, all that the father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will certainly not cast out. So there's the question of, um, if, am I going to choose God, right? Am, am, do I have the ability to choose God? And I think from a human perspective, this is, this is where the heart of the issue is, I think, um, for a lot of people, like that the human perspective, we can't understand or fathom any way that 
it doesn't look or seem like I'm choosing to put my faith in Christ. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's true. I, I, I don't understand that either. Right. Because it seems to me like I'm choosing to pray. I'm choosing to, um, do all of the things that you do leading up to, uh, being born again and, and everything that follows. But when Jesus says all that the father gives to me will come to me. Okay. Um, the verse 39, a couple of verses later, this is the will of him who sent me God, the father who sent Jesus, the son that of all he has given me, I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. So, um, we're probably going to go to that verse in other episodes as well. But, uh, the idea that God is the one that gives to Christ, these people, um, they're, I don't see anything that would indicate that God has given uh, these people to Jesus, that, that God has selected these people, however you want to word that. Um, God is the one who acted. God is the one who uh, is, is choosing these people. God is the one who gives these people to Jesus. It's not because these people have uh, good in their heart and have chosen this right? It, it starts with all that the Father gives me, right? All that the Father gives to Jesus. So that by itself, um, I mean, I think that that alone is one of those mm -hmm. scriptures that, uh, and John, like I said, John is kind of full of those. So I think with that, so there's a lot of people, like you said, there's this idea that, well, no, I chose to uh, say the prayer, or I chose yeah. to do this or that. Um, and I think a lot of that, and I've heard it described in, you know, uh, you, you, total depravity as putting my cards on the table here. It's not a hard sell for me. Like I just, <laughs> I just look around and I go, yeah, it makes sense. People don't. <laughs> God. Yeah. Um, and same thing. So for example, I mean, we've told our story before that was like episode one, but I grew up in church. Right. And so there's lots of this idea that, well, every time there's an altar call, I chose to respond or I chose to do this, but uh, a good perspective or, uh, on that, I think, that really that, that makes a lot of sense to me, uh, just obviously using the scripture here, but also uh, saying that, you know, the fact that I was in a service to be able to hear it uh, was a gift to me from God anyway. So it wasn't that I heard it and re I responded because I heard it in as much as God was gifting me the ability to hear about who he was. And that was him doing that. So that's why... I heard it and I responded and the person next to me didn't. Uh, it's not that, you know, I, I, the words were eloquent enough to convince yeah. me to do it. And maybe this guy over here just wasn't listening. And I was, we both heard the same thing. Um, it had nothing to do with the eloquence of the words or how it was being presented or, you know, what kind of music or whatever was playing. It was the fact that I was gifted the opportunity to hear that was God reaching down and it wasn't me responding as much as my eyes just being open to the fact of, oh, wow, this, this he is who he is. Um, which, I mean, again, that may not be a, I'm sure you might have a rebuttal to that, somebody out there. But uh, to me, that, I mean, that, that fits right in with what scripture says anyway. Because like Rob said, as far as the John 44 verse, as far as, you know, God giving Jesus those that have been saved, it's just the fact that, again, there was nothing that that pastor you know, 
necessarily said that was perfect that just was like oh well that clicked as much as god gifting me the ability to be in that place in that time so that i could hear it and my eyes could be opened um it wasn't god reaching out begging oh please come please come and me going all right i'm gonna throw you a bone god and and responding as much as god's just using that and that's what he used to to open my eyes and and to 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 open my heart basically so that's Jesus, it. Jesus himself very clearly said, now, one, the stuff that I just read is, you know, if you've got that kind of Bible, those are the red letters, right? Like those are what Jesus said out of his mouth. Um, the father is who gives him the sheep, right? Um, but it, Jesus, to go directly to the heart of our subject matter today, Jesus, out of his very mouth, says to um, uh someone, I forget uh, the, the whole context, but Jesus says, none are good, but the father. I mean, to me, it can't get more plain than that. You know, like the total depravity, there is not an ounce of good in you. There just isn't anything that you do that is good. It, again, it, it's a, it, it just happens to be a reflection of the image of God that you were created in because good, bad, or ugly, you were created in the image of God so that your your life, whether you uh, believe and and adhere to Christ or not, you were made in God's image, and so there are going to be things about you that reflect that you were made in the image of God. It's just that before that, you are at your very core, every part of you a rebel against your Creator mm -hmm. who made you in His image. Well, and I think to Paul. Uh, just kind of, we'll, we'll do some closing points here real quick, but um, Paul, when he writes all the time, he's talking about the two natures. So our, our, our nature and proclivity to sin versus our new nature in Christ. And there wouldn't need to be a distinction, I don't think, in those natures if it wasn't for the fact that we are now, we were old and now we're new. So if it was a nature that I had that was like one fourth good um, and I could reach out, then there wouldn't be, a, a, you know, it wouldn't be the old man. It would be the kind of old man. It would be, you know, you were just sort of changed. You were just sort of, I mean, you were almost there. Jesus had to just bring you over the other, the hump of it. Um, whereas he speaks really distinctively about old natures and new natures, old man and new man. And the clear distinction before and after. Um, and again, I think, Understanding that the doctrine of total depravity, the fact that we have no ability to reach out to God, that there is nothing good in us, just makes grace all that greater. Because if I was kind of good and then he saved me, it was kind of like a high five. Well, thanks for helping. Uh, but his grace isn't super awesome. It isn't so amazing because I kind of already had it. He just helped me. Uh, whereas when I have no ability at all to reach out to him, and by his grace for nothing, I, I don't deserve it, nothing I did, but he saves me, then grace is all that more powerful because it, I did nothing. I had no ability to do anything, but he did show it to me. Um, and that just, to me, that makes grace like, it, it puts it in a place that it should be, which is this really powerful in awe sort of thing. Because in my old nature, I just, like you said before, it, as, as a sinner, I'm just going to sin. That's just what I'm going to do. <laughs> um, uh, where uh, I've heard that, and you've probably heard it before too, uh, this distinction that if you put like 
uh, for example, if you put a, a vulture in a room with vegetables and meat, it's just going to eat the meat. You can try to be like, you, the vegetables are better for you. And he it, it, it doesn't care. <laughs> he doesn't want them. Yeah. Um, so it's just that, that same sort of idea that in our old nature, we desire one thing. It's not that we kind of desire another thing. It's that like we just, we want to do what we want to do and there's no talking us out of it. And you have one discussion with somebody that's in rebellion toward God and you'll see that. So, yeah. And you think about it, that he, you, <clears throat> even after you've been transformed, which is a big word, right? Like you said, if, if, if um, you have spilled a little coffee on a blue shirt and mama just happens to get that out. That's totally different than I spilled red Kool-Aid on a white shirt and it covered the entire shirt and somehow it looks brand new, right? Like that's, that's a, a better picture of, um, uh, of the reality of it. And think about it like this, even after you've been transformed, even after your new birth, there's still enough of that flesh, enough of that old man, enough of that battle happening that you're going to sin probably a thousand times today, even, even in ways you have no clue that, that you're <laughs> struggling and sinning and making bad decisions. And um, if that is true, and it is, then man, how, how can we think that before I met and submitted to Christ before God showed me who he was before any of that, before my new birth, before I'm a new man, how can, how can I have good in me? If even now, after I've been transformed, there's still so much bad reflecting and so much bad coming out and so much darkness in my heart seeping out, um, that needs refining still. Um, man, there, there's no, I think scripturally and just with common sense and examples, we can, we can look around us at the world and see this just, it, there's, I can't imagine an argument that is heavy enough to outweigh any of these counter arguments that we're talking about right now. I just, I've heard a lot of them and I don't know. I don't, I don't think that it's that there's anything valid yeah. that uh, scripture or not that would prove to me that we're not completely and totally depraved from conception, like David said. So if you don't uh, line up with total depravity, let's just wrap up this episode. You're trash and you need Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> what what did version? You outline that sermon, that little sermon you just did. Did you outline that or did that just happen? That uh, you're trash and you need Jesus. Just, that's yeah. a shirt, man. That's a shirt waiting to happen. You're the meme wizard. That's, that's yeah, that's good God, stuff. Right there. Oh, I'd, I'll tell you what. You still get some comments on it. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you for tuning in. Uh, if you felt compelled to send us something, uh, send them all to Rob. And if you don't have any of his DMs, I'm not telling you because when I say we'll file it away, okay, I'm not going to throw it in the trash. I feel bad for saying that. But <laughs> but send the DMs. Be happy to talk about it. Um, yep. You have some counterpoints, but you're wrong. So uh, <laughs> next, week, <laughs> next week, we are going to be talking about uh, unconditional election. Um, as we go through these, there's going to be some that are like super short, easy, like this one, and then others that are a little bit more nuanced and difficult. So, uh, next week we'll be talking about unconditional election. Hopefully you tune in for that. 
Um, and as Rob said at the beginning, like there's no way in 30, 35, 40 minutes that we can sum all of these points up. Please go do your research and uh, look into that. And if your brain doesn't explode, high five to you, buddy, because wow, there's a lot there. So yeah, we will talk to you next week. Peace.